0: To learn more about us, you can check us out at johumc.org or any of our social media platforms by searching Journey of Hope. And now, here is this week's message.
1: The first lesson is from 1 Corinthians, the entire chapter. If I speak in the tongues of men, of angels, but do not have love, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away the childhood things behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, and then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The second reading is from Mark, the 10th chapter, beginning at the first verse. Jesus then left that place and went into the region of Judea and across the Jordan. Again, crowds of people came to him, and, as was his custom, he taught them. Some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you? He replied. They said Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and then send her away. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. But at the beginning of creation, God made them both, male and female, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. He answered, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman, commits adultery against her and if she divorces her husband and marries another man she commits adultery may god bless the reading hearing and understanding of his word amen
0: all right so welcome to our last in this wonderful worship series of sacred searching uh, dealing with some pretty difficult things, talking about those things that happen when we type phrases or type questions into Google and, and find that, uh, that predictive text on what are the questions that people are asking. And so, as I have done all the other weeks, I had to type a question into Google to find out what the predictive text was. And so this week, I typed in, what do I do with... What do I do with? And the top responses yesterday were, what do I do with my life? Number one. <laughs> what do I do with my hands? What do I do with old license plates? <laughs> what do I do with gyroid fragments, terra shards, and what do I do with legendary bear pelt? Those last three, I, I would imagine some people are What? I actually had to look them up because <laughs> I wasn't sure. And, of course, my daughter says, I said, what do you do with gyroid fragments? And she says, why are you asking me questions about Animal Crossing? Which is a, which is a game, a, a game on Nintendo Switch. Uh, so she knows what gyroid fragments are. Terra Shards are actually something that is part of Pokemon. And Legendary Bear Pelt is a highly sought item in the game Red Dead Redemption. Something I don't think I have ever played. <laughs> but those are the top searches for for that particular question. But this series, as you know, is is all focused around what does the church say about it and what does the Bible say about? And so we have tackled some some really difficult topics. From the death penalty to cremation and tattoos and forgiveness, and now divorce. Because these are the questions that people are asking, and not just people that are in church, but people all across the world are asking these questions. And so let us continue in with these particular topics. Will you pray with me? Gracious and almighty God, God, we come striving to hear your word. And so God, I ask that the words that I speak would no longer be my own, but that they would be your words and your message for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. So a father was, was driving home one evening, and uh, and he realized that it was his daughter's birthday, and so he hadn't bought her a present yet, so he needed to go to the store to buy one. So he so ran to the toy store, and he, he went into the, uh, to the toy store and talked with the manager, and he says, look, you know, I saw some Barbies in the window. How much are the Barbies that are in the window? And the manager replied, well, which one? He says, because, you see, we have Jim Barbie. She's 19 Ball Barbie for 1995, Shopping Barbie is 1995, Beach Barbie is 1995, and then we have Divorced Barbie who is $375. <laughs> he says I don't understand why is Divorced Barbie $375 when all the other ones are 1995 and he says, "Well, that's easy because Divorced Barbie comes with Ken's car, Ken's house, Ken's dog, Ken's cat, and Ken's furniture." <laughs> I know, I know, a funny story, but, but this is kind of a serious subject. It really is. Uh, but maybe you're wondering how bad this really is. And so what I wanted to do was I wanted to give you a few statistics uh, about divorce. Uh, this was actually some things that I took from the, from the CDC's website. Uh, and so these, these uh, statistics were taken around 2019, pre-COVID divorce data which might have an impact as it seems that all the markers have been increasingly on the rise, uh, between, uh, especially between relational problems and domestic abuse because of the pandemic, because of staying home. Uh, but prior to that, here are some of those stats. Every 42 seconds, there's a divorce, meaning that 430 marriages will end during the normal wedding reception. Interesting. Interesting. The average age for a divorce? 30 years old. And usually it takes about eight years. So I, maybe there is a truth to the seven year itch. I don't know. January is divorce month. I guess the whole New Year's resolutions has a little more significant meaning as we think about that. So, what's the percentages? 50% of first marriages end in divorce. of second marriages do, and 73% of third marriages end in divorce. Out of the entire world, Russia has the highest divorce rate. But closer to home, Nevada is the state with the highest divorce rate, while Iowa is the lowest at 2.4%. Now, just in case you're wondering, Illinois is second lowest at 2.6%. Nice. Something we can hang our hat on for Illinois. Looking at occupations, those with the highest rate of divorce are dancers, bartenders, massage therapists, and gaming cage workers, whatever gaming cage workers are. I should have looked that one up to find out who that was. Uh, The lowest rates, farmers, podiatrists, Clergy and optometrists. Interesting, but maybe you're wondering why people get divorced. And so part of that uh, survey uh, came in. They would se- people would select between multiple reasons of why they would get divorced. And so here are some of these percentages. And so people could mark more than one of these. That's why when I start to name these off, your as bussy, Dan's going to immediately go wait 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 wait. That can't be because that adds up to way more than 100%. So they could mark any number of these categories. But in a divorce, this is what people would mark. A lack of commitment, 73%. Argue too much, 56%. Infidelity, 55%. Married too young, 46%. Unrealistic expectations, 45%. Lack of equality in relationship, 44%. Lack of preparation for marriage, 41%. And domestic violence or abuse, 25%. Now, we also have to realize that divorces spiked in the early 80s as the shift from community thinking made the transition to individualized thinking. You might remember back a a year or so ago... We did this this worship series called the Generational Series, uh, where we talked about the shift from from this community uh, belief this this what's in it best for everyone to a hyper individualism that started to happen around the '60s and '70s, and then seemed to perfect themselves in the '80s. Uh, but there is good news. However, the latest statistics, other than COVID, uh, are showing that actually divorce rates have actually been Gradually decreasing since the 80s. That was the peak. And some of this reflects, uh, actually, Nancy and I were just talking about this last night. Some of this reflects the increasing age where people are actually getting married, and also the number of people who are remaining single. However, the question that we have before us today is what is the Bible? Or what does the church say about divorce? And it probably will come as no surprise that Scripture and the church speak a lot about divorce. So let me point out the overarching theme throughout Scripture is God reconciling creation to God's self. Let's think of the rest of this in that theme. Because if we do, then we know that with God, relationships are incredibly important. And I feel that this guides all of our conversations about not only divorce, but also about marriages. We need to admit that the covenant of marriage is a sacred bond, not a contract. Maybe this is the reason that we run into so many issues when it comes to marriages. But let's put this in perspective, or maybe in context, with the... uh, when scripture, with the time when Scripture was written, because uh, I think we can all agree that the ancient Near East culture was extremely patristic. It was all about the men. And when we look at marriages and the relationships with women, we find that men had sole power over their wives. If there was to be a divorce, it was almost, in almost all situations, it was the man who was the one who could initiate the proceedings. There were only... A few reasons for a woman to be able to file for divorce. Many of those were if her husband had died, which would mean that he couldn't file for divorce. Upon completion of the divorce contract, I, I did do some research and read that that a man would need to pay the, the, his wife 60 shekels of silver. What is 60 shekels of silver? I Pulled up on my internet, because the internet is always (laughs) right. Well, I did the, uh, there's a little conversion chart. So I put 60 shekels of silver, an equivalent to today's dollars, $474. Would that get you very far? And you see, the husband didn't even have to give a really good reason. Other than she lost favor in his eyes in order to be awarded a divorce. Now, there's a lot of interpretation to lost favor in your eyes. And I'm sure that they used a number of these. But overall, a woman in the ancient Near East would have, considered, would have been considered property. Worse yet, a means to an end because uh, families needed to keep their bloodline going through childbirth. In fact, many marriages ended because the wife couldn't give her husband, children. It almost happened to Abram and Sarai. as She couldn't give Abram a son, so she told him to have one with one of their concubines. That could have ended badly, and some of us might argue that it still did. Hagar and Ishmael didn't deserve what happened to them. Now, we can search the, uh, you've probably heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls. We can search the Dead Sea Scrolls and find instances where divorces had been awarded as as the Temple Scroll presupposes divorce when it brings laws for remarriage and polygamy. So if they're talking about remarriages, then obviously we're talking about the ability to have the divorce. There's another document called the Damascus document. It does the same. However, much of its laws are pointed directly at the woman. She has restrictions, especially when it comes to virginity. But the man does not. Again, the cultural context is what is driving this. One of the first places we hear about divorce and the laws regulating them is found in Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4. Moses gives reasons that a divorce contract will be given, as well as rules about remarriage, such as a woman cannot return to her first husband after she has been married twice. So she could be married to this, <laughs> I know I get some looks go, what? Uh, she could be married to this man over here and then divorce him, marry another person, and if she gets divorced from this, she can't go back to the first one. I would have thought that there would have been a reason why she left the first one, but, but there are laws about this. Malachi 2.16 speaks about divorce because a husband does not love his wife. But what if we followed Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus? Because he writes something to, uh, to this church, uh, and I'm going to read this for you here. It's Ephesus uh, chapter 5, verses 25 through 33. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, i got to make sure I don't read earlier in here because there's something about wives. Submit to your husbands. <laughs> we'll leave that one for a different time. Uh, so we're going to start at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to, and, and to present her to himself as a radiant church but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. This is a biblical view of marriage. The love between spouses and the love Jesus has for the church. It is a sacrificial love. And while I would hope that all marriages follow this guidance, I know they don't. You all have experienced either for yourself or have witnessed others who have faced relationships that have not worked out so well. Relationships that didn't follow this advice that we just read. Should then divorce be allowed? I think so. But we need to hear Jesus' words about this topic because Jesus talked about it a few times in the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Other than telling us his commands, Jesus actually doesn't address divorce in the Gospel of John. Jesus mentions divorce a few times. Seemingly keeping in argument with the Torah, the Jewish law, this puts an emphasis on getting divor- on not getting divorced, I'm sorry, except for certain reasons, although with the exception of Matthew, all divorces lead to adultery. Matthew, in his recollection of this story, adds that a divorce, uh, if the divorce is from sexual impurity, then a remarriage would not constitute adultery. But why would Jesus be so strong about this marriage covenant? And I think, I really think there might be a couple of reasons, although there are probably more. First, a woman. If a woman was to get divorced, she was going to find it incredibly difficult to provide for herself. Her status in the community would quickly be reduced to almost nothing, and she would need to find someone to take care of her. And if she already had kids, her choices in men would be extremely slim. Jesus would have known this. And his love and care for all people would have included Utilizing the context of current societal laws to protect the marginalized, like divorced women. So by declaring a strong statement against divorce, Jesus was protecting women from certain aspects of life. But I also think Jesus' words about why Moses gave them a divorce decree is important. He said that it was because of the hardness of their hearts of the people's hearts. And this tells me that while God's design for relationships is full of love and is pure, we as humans, following the fall and letting sin enter our lives, have failed in keeping the marriage covenant as God has planned. After all, if we were all following the guidance of Scripture, loving our spouses as Christ loved the church with a sacrificial love, we would find far less divorces in our world. If you remember last week, I said something that can be useful in many different contexts, including marriage today. You can be right, or you can be in a relationship. Now, that doesn't mean that you're wrong. But you can insist on your rightness, or you can be in relationship. You can value the relationship over your individual need to be right. So, on a side note, I've got to tell you this. That uh, there are few times when I am right in Sherry and I's relationship It seems like in these moments, she'll turn to me and ask. She'll she'll say, are you ready? I said, yes. She goes, you were right. I get it once. She never repeats it twice. (laughs) But seriously, do we always have to be right to the detriment of our marriages? And I'm not sure that we do. So what do we do with all this information? How do we, how do we know what to do with Jesus' words about divorce and the many other scriptures that talk about it? I think we need to take the context of the day into account as well as the overarching theme that I talked about at the beginning here of God's story in scripture. Sure, Jesus stated that we should not have divorces, but in acknowledging Moses' divorce decree, he allows for it because of our sinful ways. Should we take a flippant view of divorce and leave our partners just because they've lost favor in our eyes? I don't think so. I feel that marriage is a covenant that God designed, and it is one that takes Takes work. Sure, we won't all agree in our relationships, but that doesn't mean that we just throw the towel in and, and give up. Through counseling, conversations, and reflection, many of these issues in relationships today can be resolved even infidelity, as hard as it is to overcome, can be overcome through the grace and forgiveness of God. I have seen it happen. There are couples who have a much stronger marriage since an affair than before. It can happen. However, we also must understand that sometimes they can't. Abuse, whether it is physical, emotional, psychological, or abuse involving your children, should never be allowed in a marriage covenant. Never. This means that one person has already broken the covenant. To love one another completely and sacrificially. Malachi 2.16, people will go back to this and say, it says, God hates divorce. And yes, it does. But I believe that God hates those kinds of relationships And that abuse and everything else like that, more than God hates divorce. Marriage is a sacred covenant between two people who love each other unconditionally. This is expressed throughout Scripture and gives us a glimpse into God's design for humanity. While divorce breaks this design, we understand the biblical theme of reconciliation and the desire of God for our happiness. This should guide us as we accept all people, regardless of marital status and past experiences. And so in closing, yes, the Bible and church have much to say about divorce, mostly against the practice. However, if we see the whole story of God's love, we know that the desire is not for us to be in abusive or unloving relationships. While not the view of the Catholic Church, many Protestant churches have rightfully approved of divorce and remarriage as part of the ongoing struggle of life on earth. So if you're married, you're single, you're divorced, on your second, third, or whatever marriage, God loves you. And God desires nothing but the best for you. God does not want you to be in abusive relationships or in unloving relationships. Will you pray with me? Gracious and almighty God, sometimes topics are are hard to tackle. Sometimes they're hard to understand. But God, when we think about your plan, when we think about your story throughout history and throughout Scripture, we know that your desire is for us to be in loving relationships not an unloving one or an abusive one. And so God, I thank you for the words of Jesus, the strong words of of trying to work things out, but also knowing that there are times when it doesn't. God, I thank you for loving us. And thank you for this message. In Jesus' name, amen now as we get ready to go forth from this place and over to the community room to have some some refreshments and continue our conversation over there, maybe about love and about marriages and divorce and stuff like that, that, that we would go over there knowing that the love of God, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit goes with us and it goes with us always. Amen.